Well, I mean, I'd love to start off this conversation just asking, where did you grow up then? Oh, I grew up in Philadelphia. That's not the Caribbean. No, it is not. My dad, uh, <laughs> he immigrated to the U.S. from Trinidad in okay. the uh, mid-60s. He was about 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he moved to, um, you know, because he was a French speaker. So he moved to Louisiana at first and then somehow made his way to Philadelphia. And then uh, I happened. <laughs> okay. And uh, how long, I mean, did you grow up in Philadelphia or what, what was kind of your early years, the journey? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I... I Grew up in Philadelphia, um, mm-hmm. West Philadelphia, born and raised, actually. Believe yeah. it or not, we actually went, I went to the same uh, kindergarten as Will Smith, just like weird, weird coincidence. Uh-huh. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so like, um, yeah, you know, I lived there until you know, early, early 20s. You know, I went okay. to college in, in um, Connecticut, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then um, after that, I moved out to San Francisco for LucasArts and then moved here in Seattle about uh, three years ago. I mean, coming out to LucasArts in 2008, is that right? Yeah. About yeah. Two, so what what titles were they working on in 2008? Um, it was really interesting. So like, I was blown away by this demo I saw. I forget if it was a GDC or, or mm-hmm. just like GameSpot or somewhere. But uh, it was showing off the animation system and the physics system that they did for uh, Indiana Jones. Okay. Um, I forget exactly what the game was called. Maybe it was Staff of Kings or something like that. But like so, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, and and it it looked fantastic, and I was like, this is the most awesome thing I've seen in gaming. You know, we'd never seen animation so realistic and all this crazy um, physics technology. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I I wouldn't say I was a huge Indiana Jones fan, but I was you know a pretty big fan of some of my favorite films. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Star Wars was like. Eh, it's it's there you know it's it's cool i guess but you know it was like uh eh, you know I, I was more interested in the music than the actual films right um, and i didn't even know the extended universe even existed or that there were books or whatever so i get there and i'm interviewing and yeah they're like hey yeah so we're working on i guess this indiana jones thing and but the real focus was on star wars the force unleashed oh yeah it's a big title uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was like clearly where they were focused on that, and I think the very first thing I worked on was a game called Fracture. Yeah, um, sure. Which was I don't even know. It was like a third-person shooter with mm-hmm. some also also some interesting physics stuff going on. Um, but yeah, I was mostly hired initially because um, Force Unleashed was, um, you know, they were running way behind schedule, and it was just getting kind of crazy with all the music editing that needed to be done Mm -hmm. and just like general kind of um uh just like small music tasks across a bunch of different projects and they only had one um uh one musician on staff and he kept having to borrow sound designers and they were like you can't do that anymore we're really busy (laughs) too and yeah uh so yeah that's how uh my position happened and i interviewed for it and uh they eventually hired me so how long were you at um lucasarts then I was there about five years. I mean, okay. I, I was there from 2008 until the end. So I, I guess that was like 2013 or... Yeah, probably, maybe. Something like, something like that. Um, so, so then you yeah. went to Seattle after that or...? Uh, no. So uh, I, w- I stayed in, in San Francisco. I didn't immediately move to Seattle. Um, okay. And while I was there, uh, I did a bunch of games for a company called Kabam. They're like mm-hmm. a mobile game company. And I also did uh, Lara Croft and the Temple of Osiris. Yeah. Um, I was 
initially planning to move to Seattle earlier, but then I got the Lara Croft gig and it was like, well, I don't really want to just move halfway through a game score. That's, you know, especially because <laughs> it was very compressed time schedule. Were they in, where were they based? Oh, they're also based in the Bay Area. Okay. They're in, um, I want to say San, San Mateo. San Mateo, or Redwood, Foster, Redwood, Foster yeah. City. One of those, yeah, southern parts of the, yeah, yes. of the Bay. And uh, yeah, it was actually really helpful that I was nearby because uh, I did a bunch of the implementation, uh, oh, nice. the music implementation on that title. Uh, they literally just gave me a PC. They were like, here, take it. We need all the help we can get. <laughs> so I was like, all right, if you trust me with that, then cool. Yeah. And uh, it was awesome because I could just throw music in wherever I wanted. If I, if I thought this level could really use its own separate music piece, I could just do it and then throw it in the game you know, at any time. Um, so it was, it was actually a very luxurious sort of um, you know, music implementation state where I was almost kind of like a music supervisor in a way, mm -hmm. um, you know, writing and also throwing in music wherever I wanted. And then I can, you know, for some more complicated stuff, I also had the audio team support um, because their scripting engine was, you know, very complicated and a little difficult. And so sometimes it was like, all right, well, I need someone's help on this. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I did that. And um, Dead Islands 2, I also started while I was still in uh, in San Francisco. But mm -hmm. once Lara Croft wrapped up, it was like, okay, you know, nothing is really tying me to here. I want to try something new. Mm -hmm. And uh, a bunch of my friends who I worked with at LucasArts on... Star Wars First Assault, which is the final game that we did mm -hmm. there. Uh, they had moved up uh, here to Seattle to work on um, Halo and uh, Destiny. Oh, nice. So I just, I just figured, all right, well, I mean, so many people I already know there, and it's a pretty cool city. Um, I visited, and I loved it, and I was like, yeah, okay, let's just move up here. Not just kind of on a whim, mm -hmm. and I just sort of did it. And you're there now, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, how do you describe just, being a composer in Seattle, Washington, like there's, yes, Microsoft is there and there's a lot of great companies, game developers. What is it like to be a composer in Seattle? Um, it's pretty amazing, honestly. Like, I think that Seattle has the best video game audio community, just general audio community of anywhere in the world. And the reason why is because we have basically monthly meetups. Oh, nice. uh, and and everyone knows each other, uh, and you know, like in these in these meetups, you know, maybe sixty, seventy people will show up. Oh wow! But it'll be a perfect blend of you know, in-house people versus freelancers, uh, composers versus sound designers, and like experienced people and students and uh, indie and AAA. I mean, it's like basic VR, the sons of VR. What is Basically this group called? Everyone. I mean, who? How do you? It's just, it's just Seattle Game Audio Group. Oh wow! Uh, okay. But you know, everyone knows each other. It's a very friendly, welcoming environment. Uh, we often collaborate like, with the Vancouver Audio Group, which is also a very strong uh, community. Yeah. Um, you know, I think twice a year we meet up in Bellingham, Washington, which is like mm. halfway between Seattle and Vancouver. Yeah. And we just have a big meetup, you know, Bellingham Game Audio Bash. You know, everyone is there. It's really cool. I mean, it, it's almost at the point where it's like I have to, during GDC, I have to like specifically avoid the Seattle people. Because <laughs> you like, see them the rest of the year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, and it's and you know they're extremely chummy and really friendly, and everything is very supportive. So, um, we also have a great film music school here hmm. um, at the uh, uh, AFI. I forget what AFI stands for. American the Film Institute? American Film Institute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they have a, a film music program, scoring hmm. program, uh, and that's been uh, incredible. Like I, I had the opportunity to lecture there once, but oh, nice. More so. It's just been a great place to find, you know, other composers for 
you know, sometimes you'll need help, you know, with like, you know, like part prep, orchestration, whatever, and they, they teach mm. you everything. And so um, it's been great to, to find uh, other very talented composers there. That's awesome. I'm just looking at the your roster of credits, and it's an incredible just achievement to see you go from the LucasArts brands into but just a bunch of different studios, Namco, and you mentioned uh, Resonator and Deep mm. Silver, and it, it's like a really interesting collection of companies. And but I think more recently, you know, and a big reason why I was really excited to talk to you was about the recent title for um, Call of Duty World War II, which was a Sledgehammer Games. Um, title, which is I guess Activision, also is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, how how does one go to uh, is it a AAA title? What how, how do you describe these? What's is there such a thing? Am I just making up terminology? No, that's, that's you would call it AAA. Yeah. Okay, I'm not. What does AAA stand for? I should I shouldn't be using things I don't fully understand. AAA stands for ah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh know gosh. why they call it that, but it's a big deal. It's a, I mean maybe equivalent to like a tentpole film for a Hollywood film, maybe. Yeah, right? it's it's just the video game equivalent of like a blockbuster movie, essentially. I'm not sure how I even picked that up, AAA, but for some reason it stuck in my head, and I was like, "This is a AAA project." It's really funny. Yeah, that's happened. just what they call it. I don't know. They, nobody says like this is a single A pro. Like, yeah, what? <laughs> right. What does that even mean? I have no idea. So but... that being said, I've really set you up. Basically, I mean. Was it a big deal f to work on this title for you? Because I, I just I don't see are there other Activision or Sledgehammer games that you've worked on? No, this is the first time I believe that I've worked with Activision. I mean, obviously, okay. I worked with EA on Star Wars: right. The Old Republic and yep. um, you know some of the other big publishers, but this is the first Activision title. Okay. Um, I mean, the the story of how it came about was kind of kind of interesting. Like, I had played uh, Call of Duty: Advanced Warfare. Yep. I think came out like 2014 or something like that and i actually was blown away like this was the first time that mm. um uh the call of duty teams had an opportunity to do a completely next gen yeah. title so they didn't have to support playstation 3 or xbox 360 it was just like all right we're just going all out on ps4 xbox one and pc and i think part of that was that they just said you know what we've been holding ourselves to um a certain certain like standards of sound design sure. and like you need to use like this group of sounds and you need to do this mm -hmm. and blah 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 but you know what uh, it's next gen so do whatever you like and you know the sledgehammer team has such unbelievably good sound designers there um you know a lot, some of, even some of the the uh sounded the legendary sound designers from like dead space are at yeah. the sledgehammer now yep and and a bunch of those EA companies um, in the Bay Area, they've all migrated to Sledgehammer. So mm -hmm. uh, when they came out with Advanced Warfare, I was blown away. But I mean, graphically, it's amazing looking game. Yeah, it's amazing. But um, it's the the sound design I thought was was incredible. It was one of my favorite sounding games that mm -hmm. whole year. And uh, GDC, I think twenty sixteen mm -hmm. rolled around, I believe. Yeah, twenty sixteen, and um, that was my first time uh, giving a GDC lecture, and so I thought, like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm like something of a big shot, maybe. So maybe I can just talk to these people and say, yeah, like, sure. hello, you know, at least you know, shoot them an email. <laughs> yeah. So I, I emailed um, Dave Swenson, who is their audio mm -hmm. director. Yep. And I just said, hey, you know, I'm in town. You know, if you want to meet up, I would love to talk because I really liked Advanced Warfare, mm. and I think you guys are doing great stuff. And apparently, Dave had already played my. Uh, 
Lara Croft game, Lara Croft and the Temple of Osiris. Yes. And uh, he had wanted to talk to me anyway. So he was like, yeah, sure. You know, let's go. Yeah. Let's meet up. And so we had a great conversation about, weirdly enough, it wasn't even like a, hey, I'm selling myself, you know, whatever. But it was all about mixing sound with music. And just like, how do you make it such that the music is compelling but doesn't get in the way of the sound and vice versa? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, because apparently that's something that they really uh, struggled with on Advanced Warfare, where they had, you know, there's a wonderful score by Audio Machine and and uh, Harry Gregson Williams. Mm-hmm. And on its own, it sounds, you know, brilliant. But yeah. then the problem was they had all of that, and then they had the game sound design, mm-hmm. which kind of occupied a lot of the same types of sounds, same frequencies, and the same style on it, yeah. almost like, you know, tech, high-tech, you know, kind of thing. And they kind of just fought each other. No. And they didn't really know how to deal with that. I mean, he ended up having to just turn the music down much lower than he would have liked to because everything mm-hmm. was just clashing. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we you know we talked about that, and uh, you know, great conversation. And then finally, um, you know, after a couple months of you know me like pinging them, and then maybe having <laughs> a couple uh, Skype meetings where we're talking about almost kind of the same stuff, really. Yeah. I mean, how uh, far out? How early was this in their development? Well, we we were talking about the score, you know, not not about the score specifically, but just like generally talking since 2016. The you game said came 2016, out. 2016, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was about a year of just like talking, but sure. like me not really being hired, just sort of let's keep the conversation going. Oh, great! And it was, I think, um, December mm-hmm. of of. 2016 that finally they said like okay yeah we're gonna bring you on and then i actually got started in i think early february the very beginning of february late january it's when i had my first meeting at sledgehammer with the sledgehammer team and the sony team and uh, we all got together and brainstormed again talking about you know how are you going to make it so that the music doesn't fight the sound and stuff like Mm -hmm. that was always a core principle i can Uh, can just imagine i feel like getting Spending that much time and energy, like seeking someone out, making that relationship form over time, and then sealing the deal. Like, what a incredible, just unexpected outcome of of, of it all. I mean, oh I, yeah, I mean, I, like yeah. you, you'll notice, I never said anything about demoing. Like, I never actually <laughs> demoed. It's it's weird. Like, I never demoed for this project. It was wow. just, um, yeah. yeah, it was just. You know, I would, you know, the, the one piece of advice that I, I give to people is like, you can be a nag in a good way. You know, you can you can maybe like wait two weeks, three weeks, whatever after, you know, a conversation and then just shoot some sort of an email. Just keep uh-huh. up. I mean, like apparently the the thing that sort of really sealed the deal for me was that I sent them some of the um, Star Wars first assault music that I had written. Mm. And they were like, OK, this guy kind of gets it. He understands mm. like we're taking the perspective of the soldier yeah. and we're not like being judgmental necessarily mm-hmm. but we're just saying like well this is the actual first person experience mm. um which is what that game was all about yeah uh, and so uh you know i never really had to you know sit there and like demo against like 30 other composers like you would probably expect how refreshing i mean <laughs> yeah that's, i mean that's so it, unheard of yeah I, I mean i heard through the grapevine that like apparently some people did sort of try to throw their hat in the ring and, and throw a bunch of demos together and stuff um i don't know if that was on the activision side or, sure. or what but uh um yeah you know the they were very adamant they were like no we want this guy we've been talking with him and he seems to understand where we're coming from and uh yeah uh, it just kind of went from there 
it's so cool because I, I've heard so many of those stories and all of them, like, even though I know that you got the gig, I still feel nervous <laughs> just about the okay. idea that people are demoing auditioning because, you know, people's, I think as a developer, and I've only seen it a handful of times being a game developer, you're living with this material for so long and you have an idea in your head of like, this is what it's supposed to be. And then you bring in some other collaborators and you, I would hope that they wouldn't just kind of fall into suit, but they would actually maybe challenge, you know, what, what you're, they're trying to do. So it's more of a collaboration, not just like, here's the job, go do it, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, um, the other thing is, uh, I mean, so I, <laughs> this is, is going to sound kind of crazy. I didn't demo for it, and also I never really got any reference music either. Like they didn't, they didn't really say like, okay, make it sound like you know this uh, Hans Zimmer thing. Make it sound like this, yeah. you know, John whatever. Because That's guess great. what? If they wanted that, they would have just hired Hans sure. Zimmer again or Harry Gregson Williams again, and you know. Right. But instead, they were like, well, we're doing something very different than we've been doing in the mm. past. Um, you know, we had our classic metal or ugh, classic uh, Call of Duty games with Michael Giacchino, mm -hmm. and there was that sound, but it doesn't really quite work because this is such a um, such a realistic, like mm -hmm. contemporary presentation that we're going for here, and you can't put you know music that's that busy and that um, right. sort of like really in your face. You can't. It doesn't really quite work with the what we're going for here. It's more of a character story rather than an epic. Absolutely. And yeah. so um, they they kind of just said, look, you know, we trust you to, for some reason, we trust you to, yeah. uh, you know, come up with something new. And it, it definitely, you know, wasn't easy. You know, we spent about a month just on the main theme alone. Okay. Uh, which was kind of rough because, I mean, like, so now it's March and I'm starting on the rest of the score, except like <laughs> we're recording it in June. <laughs> which which so uh, like cue is that in the soundtrack? Which cue is the, the first one? The main theme is uh, Brotherhood of Heroes. It is okay, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, once yeah. we once we had that, it sort of was like a palette for everything that came afterwards, mm -hmm. um, with some exceptions. But like essentially, everything was sort of drawing from the different sounds and techniques that I had developed in in writing this main theme. Well, I mean, so they didn't give you any source material necessarily, a reference material. So for you, like. Yes, you spent a lot of time, I guess, developing the theme. And, and I mean, how wide did you go even developing that theme? Like, what are you able to do within your studio? Did you take it to an orchestra at that point? Like, you know, or how do you like what is the demoing process like when in the, in the early stage, at least? Yeah. So, um, I mean, essentially, I got to see a narrative presentation while I was at Sledgehammer. Oh, nice. And they talked about the story. And it's like a very, you know, it's, it's what, like a five six seven whatever however many hours game so it was like a very mm -hmm. convoluted story <laughs> for yeah, yeah, just yeah. like sitting there a lot of stuff happens and i'm like all right i'm not remembering any of these characters this is crazy you know except for like the main one or two or three right. but um you know I, I go home and they're like okay yeah there was a lot of details there but here's this like you know pdf document or whatever that kind of summarizes everything and i had that and i also realized that it would be helpful for me to score against some sort of footage. Now, they couldn't send me footage at the time mm -hmm. of the gameplay. So mm -hmm. I'd actually dialed up um, from like YouTube, some like Call of Duty 2 footage, which is like a PlayStation 2 game. So it's yeah, like, sure. it sounded kind of whack. And obviously it's, you know, yeah. dated because it's what, 20 years ago or whatever. But whenever I would write anything, 
I would sort of check it against that footage to make sure that it, it didn't like fight, if mm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah, basically like I, I played a lot of uh, different instruments on it myself, but essentially it is just like a, you know, a MIDI mock-up demo. I did a lot of, I mean, one of, one of the center, the two centerpieces of the score, I think, are the um, musique complète idea, mm. where it's like mm-hmm. I'm taking sounds from, you know, wor- World War II vehicles and, right. and artillery and, and weapons uh, and sort of filtering in various ways and adding effects to make it work with the orchestra. Like, it's actually a part of the orchestration. Mm. Um, and then uh, there's also tons of sort of aleatoric string techniques, and I use a lot of electric guitar um believe it or not but like you wouldn't really hear it as that because i'm playing it with a a slide a brass slide nice and what's called an ebo which is sort of like an electromagnet Mm -hmm. to stimulate the strength and then putting a bunch of effects on that to just kind of get this airy sort of uh hazy kind of vibe um i I did get some screenshots via the pdf of the game and so Mm. i saw that it had this sort of blue haze over everything and it had Mm. that sort of you can see like the, the ash in the air and just the dirt. And I was like, okay, well, I want to represent that musically. So it was almost like a second layer behind the orchestra that's almost, mm-hmm. in almost every track in the game that has that what I call the haze of war signature sound. And that, I, that just like reminded me of, I've only played through, I think maybe half the game. I mean, I'm still working through it, maybe even two thirds. But it's, it's, the, it's the level that when like they're in the trenches on the front lines, and the oncoming, you know, opposition is basically coming at you or going to be coming at you. Like you don't really like they're coming out of the fog. And to me, like that mm. stylistically really represented just like the unknown of, of, of just battle, especially with this World War II backdrop. It just to me, there's a lot of unknowns, and unexpected that this gameplay really, you know, kind of throws at you. And, and that's what I enjoy as a gamer. So for you, yeah. when you're thinking of, you know, your music and cues and how it's going to play into the game and these heightened moments how do you anticipate if you don't have like a picture to work against because that's not how games work but like how are you structuring your tempos or the emotion like what is like do they give you a rundown at that point of like this is the game path that the campaign that you're going to be going through yeah that's a good question so like um the the way it actually worked well two things one i did have like a um you know, the aforementioned story um, mm-hmm. uh, synopsis. Mm-hmm. And that did I- identify, like, every individual level. Some levels were cut in the end, but it did give you, like, the general gist of, like, how the game will go. Mm-hmm. Um, but what really happened was uh, the Sony team, so the, the music team from Sony PlayStation, it turns out that they're, like, <laughs> like less than a mile away from Sledgehammer. So nice. they were like, why don't we just work together on something? Oh, wow. And then this was, like, a great candidate for that, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so what they did was, I mean, they were, you know, back and forth from Sledgehammer almost every day. So they would, you know, they would really see the game up close and personal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the way it worked was they would play like a section of gameplay. Mm-hmm. And then they would assign me a cue based on what they thought would work there. And I was usually assigned cues, I mean, with, with the exception, obviously, of like the more thematic stuff, like the mm-hmm. faction themes things like, you know, Welcome to the Bloody First or mm-hmm. um, the Home Suite. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was mostly like, okay, well, I played this level and I thought it would be cool to have, say, 
some really syncopated stabs that kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah. So they would assign me a cue that would be called, you know, whatever production name, like stabby action or something yeah. like that. And they were like, okay, yeah, so write something, you know, usually I think they were about three minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, self-contained, so it wasn't trying to loop or anything. It was just had a definite intro and ending. Yeah. But um, something that incorporates sort of, you know, big hits at, at you know, some point. And that's how, um, I think that example in the soundtrack mm-hmm. is called No Mission Too Difficult. It's the yes. one that, yep. yeah, that has a lot of, especially in the second half where the stabs almost get like unpredictable and like borderline unmusical. Like you just don't know <laughs> what's going to happen. And that's, that's, I think, the cue that plays um, in that first mission where you're in the trenches and you're dragging yes. um, your, your comrade um, uh, Zussman mm-hmm. uh, because he's just been stabbed. Uh, and that's the cue that plays there. Oh, nice. The way it eventually worked was that once I would write these pieces, uh, the Sony team would then edit them in various ways. Like I did mm. d- delivered everything in like up to 30 or so stems. Wow. So they could break things out and yep. edit things and take like this part of this cue and use it with that part of that cue and um, come up with the actual in-game loops and such mm. uh, that you hear in the final project. Yeah, that's what I'm interested. I mean, uh, I guess two questions. One is, where did you record? And I, I see that like in the soundtrack, most of the tracks are about three minutes in length. But what's yeah. like your deliverables? Are they longer? Are they shorter? Like, what are your deliverables usually then? Um, believe it or not, my deliverables 90% of the time are exactly what you saw in okay. the soundtrack. Like, n- there's not terribly much editing. Okay. Um, with, with some exceptions. Uh, but like, yeah, mostly with the, oh, well, with the entire exception of the multiplayer, which is completely different. But right. like, um, yeah, mostly I would just write these suites of music that had natural crescendos and lulls and nice. ups and downs. And um, one of the techniques that I uh, picked up from the Uncharted series mm-hmm. is that the music there never is just like, all right, action time. Boom. Right. And so it's yeah. just like this brick of like exactly the same intensity the whole way through. And they rely on like the implementation system to, mm-hmm. you know, give it motion. Instead, yep. there was motion in the cues themselves, in what Greg Edmondson had written. And I thought that was brilliant. Like, yeah. you know, you're in a firefight. You're not going to be like super, super intense the whole way through. It's going to yeah, yeah, yeah. have peaks and valleys. And yeah. he just wrote those into the cues and it worked brilliantly. And so I just kind of, um, I basically nicked that idea, honestly. Like, that's all right. I mean, that's <laughs> life. That's, that's, that's not nicking. That's, you see something like, I like that. I'm going to. And yeah, yeah. My work. I, yeah. I, I basically, I mean, yeah. like, I think this score's closest uh, analog is probably Uncharted Two, especially. Oh, that's great. Just in in how it would have these moments of you know backing off from the action and going into like a tension segment that's very sparse but like intense, and um, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's that's sort of how it all kind of came together. That's awesome. And where did you? Um, what was the size of the orchestra? Where did you record it? Oh, yeah, we recorded in Nashville. It was okay. the Nashville Scoring Orchestra. Mm. Um, I believe it was 34 strings. So we recorded oh, nice. strings and brass on separate date or mm-hmm. uh, at separate times of the day. Yeah. Because um, it was all aggressively striped. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, I think, 34 strings and um, brass and woodwinds was, um, I think, six horns and three tenors, two bass trombones, tuba, and then uh, a pretty expanded low wind section. So I Mm -hmm. think like three bass clarinets and two bassoons, but everyone was doubling on contra. Oh, okay, Uh, cool. In fact, we 
we had the contrabass clarinet, which is one of the most ridiculous instruments I've ever seen in my life. It's like uh -huh. taller than the player. You yeah, know, yeah, he's yeah. a good sized yeah. dude, but like the contra clarinet is like what, like six foot four or something. It's just it's a ridiculous. big one. It is a big yeah. one. And, and, and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was gonna ask, like, you know, you yourself, you play flute, you do keyboards, accordion, guitar. Yeah, like, yeah. So what happened? Do you demo it in a way that like someone else is? I mean, do you ever play on your own scores? Oh yeah, I try to play on as much as I can. Okay. Um, I mean, like my my guitar and bass are like hidden in Call of Duty, but it is there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like kudos to anyone who can find where I where they allowed me to use bass on this soundtrack because they kept rejecting <laughs> cues when I used bass. Yeah. But like, I got it in one one cue <laughs> where it's like hidden underneath everywhere. So if you can find that, then like you know you found the real Easter egg or whatever. That's but, awesome. Um, yeah, I played a lot of flute even on. Um, uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic, mm. and um, I played tons of tons of instruments on Lara Croft, mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, you know, in in this score I didn't play flute because it didn't really quite work with the soundscape, mm -hmm. but um, the stealth music, a lot of that is actually coming out of um, different sounds that I had our uh, cello player or our electric cello player mm. Sebastian Frey. Um, mm -hmm. I had him do and the way that worked was I said look I'm not going to write you a score for this but just listen to this listen to the way that I'm playing this flute effect here mm. and if you can just sort of mimic that on the electric cello and on the keyed fiddle this like Swedish instrument called the Nikola mm. um, just sort of mimic that and and play like that for like you know two minutes or whatever <laughs> and send that to me and that was the basis of um, most of the stealth music in the game is just that uneasy sort of string tension um, mm. like you hear it at the beginning of the track Paris because mm. uh, Paris is kind of like a, a, a stealth action suite that we've written uh, in the soundtrack mm -hmm. uh, release and uh, yeah. yeah and something that I wanted just to, to mention because I think it's a really cool um, kind of side gig that you created in 2008 you and Andrew Aversa you guys created this Impact Soundworks which seems like oh, a, yeah. an incredible kind of side gig which is awesome i mean can you just describe what impact soundworks is sure yeah so impact soundworks is a sample uh library company mm -hmm. um we do i mean at this point we've we've done almost you know every type of sample library that that there mm -hmm. is you know all around full gamut from like orchestral stuff but also tons of like guitar yeah, and drums, electronics and, yeah. and world instruments we started off mostly with like world instruments and percussion mm -hmm. and then it just kind of grew from there yeah. Um, I mean, the way it came about was I had um, like some some film score I was I was about to do right after college. Uh -huh. uh, it was just like an indie film, but like it got delayed by a couple of weeks. OK. And so I found myself with like just all this extra time. I didn't really have anything to do. And I had recorded way back in the day, like during college or high school, like just um, myself like banging on this old. Uh, well, I probably shouldn't say what it is, but like. <laughs> a certain metal frame sure a large large metal frame thing and it sounded uh -huh. amazing and so i was just like you know what why don't i just record this you know make a proper you know nice sounding sample library with tons of at the time tons of velocities and round robins like really treat it like an instrument lots of different techniques different striking uh techniques different mallets whatever um so i did that and initially just kind of for my own use in like film scores because it was nice and unique and nobody really ever done anything that sounded like that before mm -hmm. 
Um, but I showed it to some some folks over on like a forum. I think it was like VI Control or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, "Give this to us. <laughs> we yeah. want this. We will pay whatever." Yeah. And I'm like, "Are you serious?" And they're yeah. like, "Yeah, you know, charge you know like ninety bucks for it. We want this. This is awesome." Oh, nice. So yeah, I I put it into um, Contact and and converted to uh, Giga Sampler or whatever, and yeah. I made a whole storefront. That's where I came up with the whole Impact Soundworks thing. Yeah. And um, eventually Andy contacted me and he was like, you know what? That's really cool. And I wanted to do something like that. Why don't mm. we collaborate? Because we both lived in Philadelphia at the time. Oh, nice. And uh, so then we worked together on a library called Sitar Nation. Yes, yeah. And then after that, um, he did a library called Koto Nation. <laughs> and then it just kind of, it just sort of, you know, blossomed after after all that, and he's. I mean, nowadays I'm I'm not terribly involved anymore because sure. just the composition stuff yeah. is just you know too much time. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I worked on was Vocalisa, which is a Slavic choir. That's a project I'd wanted to do since basically uh -huh. college. Yeah. And you know, finally we got the chance to do it. Um, and uh, yeah, but other than other than those three libraries, I'm I'm not terribly involved anymore. Sure. Um, you know, sometimes they'll come to me with advice for advice or whatever, but yeah. uh, I, I don't really do much more than pick up a royalty check. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I, I just think it's worth mentioning. It's a really cool uh, resource for people who are within. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I'm not one who composes music, but yet I'm aware of these libraries. I think they're incredibly powerful and useful for folks who can't go to Nashville or a mm. big scoring stage. And, and it's just, you know, this is the world we live in now where there are these wonderful resources to, you know, that are tools so yeah absolutely really cool. yeah it, so impactsoundworks.com for anyone who wants to check it out i mean for you like now that the this game has been out and it's incredible to see like a title comes out like especially for video games they have this long tail i think where they come out and people play through them and then there's like this longevity of a title where people go back to them and multiplayer aspects or just playing oh, yeah. campaigns so what have you experienced with um with this one the call of duty World War Two. Like, what was your sense of it once it came out and you started seeing that people were really uh, taking to it? Um, it was a little bit surreal. It was. Kind of, I mean, honestly, it was surreal the whole time. It's just that, yeah. You know, I was so busy, you know, freaking out and you know, going to bed in <laughs> tears every night. Like, oh, I gotta do yeah, yeah. fire. Oh god, I'm never gonna finish this on time. Whatever. Yeah. All that. So it, ne it never really hit me that this is a game that you know millions upon millions of people were going to play. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny, like the way the human brain works, we can't really conceive of numbers above a certain, you know, like like if, uh, well, if you, the game tell me what that number is, I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah, but you know what? Like if the game sold like, like like if you think, oh, a thousand people heard my music, that's sure. like whoa, a thousand yeah. people heard my music, that's insane. Yeah, but it's like, well, no, actually. In like what 10 million 20 however <laughs> right i mean the yeah. game made over a billion dollars yeah. at this point so it's yeah. like but there's like structurally there's like actually no difference right between like oh a thousand people heard this versus like however many millions of people heard my music yeah you know what i mean like there actually isn't really a difference except like the paycheck, you know, like, the budget, the well, the paycheck, <laughs> the budget jokes, you know, like all that kind of thing. My IMDb star meter, yes, which is good. like I, I'd never heard of this thing. So apparently, IMDb ranks people based yes. on their popularity or whatever. Sure, yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I took I took mad screenshots of this thing because it was hilarious. This is like, yeah. your star meter has gone up 1.5 million points. Oh, <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it was just ridiculous. Um, but you know, it it I didn't like the pressure for me entirely was not the yeah. audience. I don't think it was more just the fact that you know this is this is a series that I've wanted to work in for what like 15 years. I mean, yeah. ever since those original. Michael Giacchino scores, you know, that was that was part of why I decided to focus on orchestral music mm. back in early, early college and late, late high right. school. And, you know, like I would write, I would like I, I do a lot of sketching on paper and, you know, I would write all of these little like, hey, if I ever got to do like a, a World War Two war game, this is what <laughs> the theme would be and all that kind of stuff, you know, for yeah. years and years and years of doing this kind of thing. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, what do you got? <laughs> Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, well, that was that was sudden, you know. But uh, you know that that's kind of where the real pressure was was just you know living up to my own, I, I guess, expectations or whatever, and then also, of course, living up to the fact that this is a series that's had like actual literal Hans Zimmer, Harry Gregson Williams, Michael Giacchino, you know, all yeah. these huge name, you know, Brian, all these huge names. It's amazing company, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and then it's like. All right, now you, <laughs> some kid from Philadelphia, you know. So it was, it was, it was very, you know, yeah. Everything was very small, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. It's usually not starting small doesn't usually mean Call of Duty. <laughs> I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so that's really where the pressure was is just in yeah. you know living up to the expectations. Um, the fact that it was like, hey, by the way, millions of people would play this didn't really didn't really register until. I think the moment that registered, and this is sort of like a weird story, but you know, mm -hmm. I, you know, so, somebody actually a lot of people put the music from the beta up mm -hmm. on uh, YouTube or whatever. They like just ripped it out of the game. Yeah, and uh, you know, just some of the comments I saw were were just sort of surreal. Like, you know, first off, everyone thought it was Hans Zimmer, which I thought was hilarious. You know, everyone's like, "Man, Hans Zimmer really did it again." Even when, like, <laughs> after the game was released and in the title of the video, it was hey, just like, I mean, like, Roger, people were like, man, Hans Zimmer, it's great. But I, I yeah. think that one of the, the craziest things I read was um, this one dude had just signed up for uh, the army and he's getting sworn oh. in. And he's, he wrote, like, you know, like, this theme was, like, playing in my mind, you know, as I'm taking the oath, you know, I'm just, like, brought to tears by this thing. It's, like, yeah. just the idea of, like, your music impacting people's lives is just, mm. I don't know, it's, it's a little bit mind-blowing to, to me. It's brave of you to even read comments on the, inter on the internet. I feel uh, like, you know, uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny, like, if this were, like, you know, something like, you know, Lara Croft or, or another mm -hmm. score where it was like, you know, I think that the Lara Croft score is, is probably a little bit more natural. Like it was a little easier for me to just kind of get into it and just sort of do it. Yeah. Um, but this one, you know, it was so hard for me to develop. It's probably the hard, most difficult music direction of any project I've ever done. Okay. Kind of by far. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had like the Sony team and they're giving me tons of feedback and then the Activision and Sledgehammer guys. Yeah. And by the time it was over, it, it, it's kind of like, and I know, this may sound even arrogant, but it's like, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily care what other people think of it. Right. You know, like if someone's like, this is a terrible soundtrack, then I'm like, eh, yeah, you think so. That's cool. You know, you like something <laughs> That's else. Great. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not, because I, I already know that basically everything I wanted to do, 
I was able to do on this score, which is rare that I have, you know, that sort of finality. Usually when mm -hmm. I'm finished the score, it's like, darn, I wish I had done this and that and, you know, explored whatever. But on this one, it's like, you know what? Uh, this is pretty much what I wanted to do and what I would have expected. And I'm I'm just kind of happy with it and ready to let it go. So if someone if someone came up to me and was just like, hey, your score sucks. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> I don't know. know. Maybe I'd be like, thanks, man. Like, did you really feel inclined to tell me that in person? Like, that's what the <laughs> Internet's for. Well, yeah, that's what the Internet's for. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I mean, uh, well, last thing I want to ask you. So, you know, New Year, we're in 2018. What's ahead? What I mean, obviously you can't mention anything. I'm pro I'm sure you're probably working on, but yeah. How do you manage your year? Because this project went over a breadth of several months. So, like, how many irons in the fire do you have, and how many things are actually in production? Like, what's the management of your world? Well, what I can say is that I'm working on a project called A New The Distant Light. Okay. Uh, that's that's the title uh, by Resonator Games and. Okay. Uh, I mean, that, that project is one of, like, I would definitely care <laughs> about yeah. people like it or not, because it's like one of yeah. the riskiest scores that I think I've ever done, but okay. also one of the most personal. Um, it's, it's a 2.5D Metroidvania uh, set on a, a you know, uh, outer space asteroid. Wow. And I think that's just about all I can say about the story, but it's like a very compelling story. You know, no, no words. Like, no dialogue, no text. It's just, like, you got to figure out the story just environmentally. Oh, fun. Which means that the music plays a huge part in it because I'm mm -hmm. doing tons of, like, factional themes for, like, you know, this group of whatever and then these people and then that whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of how the story is being told. Um, but what's cool about it is that, you know, normally you start a score and if you're getting reference tracks, then you're getting what? Like something by Hans Zimmer, you know, some kind of, some Thomas cue from like Newman, Born, Born uh, Identity. Yeah, Thompson, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but in this one, they were like, hey, we have some reference stuff for what we want it to sound like. And they sent me, it's all like, you know, John Adams, you know, Bartok, all of this <laughs> interesting uh, yeah. 20th century art music. Yeah. And they're like, this is what we want our game to sound like. That and like, you know, Jerry Goldsmith. Planet of the Apes, you know, really challenging scores. That's awesome. Um, and so, yeah, like the game of this score has been, all right, well, we have idioms that have been yeah. developed for, you know, video games and, and film, like the Hollywood sounds of like, this is what the, the ice level sounds like. This is yeah. what the cave sounds. And so it's been a game of like, okay, well, that's how it's been done up until this point. I have to come up with a new idiom in how to sort of depict these different um, these different areas and these different you know things in the in the story, except I have to do it completely in my own way, and it has to be completely <laughs> different, but also fully depict that. Like you have to get it just from listening to the music. You should be able to understand. Oh, I'm sure this is in like the huh. the water level, or I'm sure this is in the whatever, um, which is very difficult. <laughs> it's yeah. it's one of the it's it's almost the opposite difficulty that um, Call of Duty was, where that game just had really hard music direction. Here, the music direction is relatively simple, but mm. just the execution on each individual cue is is incredibly difficult. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I've been. Um, well, I mean, that's that's the one thing that I can actually talk about that I've been working on. <laughs> I love it. Sounds like it sounds like you have a lot of free time, but I, I don't think you do. Just from what <laughs> yeah, you're saying, it's, it's uh, quite a lot of stuff all at once. Yeah. 
fantastic. It's been a lot of fun chatting with you. I mean, for folks who want to continue following your work, and obviously you have your website, um, they, which they can go to. It's rogetmusic.com, which is just your last name, music.com. And where else can people keep track of you? Yeah, um, I keep fairly active on Twitter. So okay. just at Wilbert Roger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I have a Facebook band page. Uh, I think it's just facebook.com uh, Roger Music there. Oh, awesome. Okay. And uh, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. It's a lot of fun to have a chance to kind of dig in deeper to something, especially like Call of Duty. I just, I, yeah. it's when I'm worried about saving my life in a game, I can tell you, <laughs> I'm not listening to specific cues, but when I can have a chance to like, just listen to the, the cues and your soundtrack, it's, it's super just incredible to see what you pulled off. So congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to my chat with composer Wilbert Roger about his work on Call of Duty World War II. You can hear more conversations with sound designers, composers, and directors on the Soundworks Collection podcast on iTunes and streaming online at soundworkscollection.com.